Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, not the Friday night preview show, the Thursday night preview show, because I am going to be a dirty stop out on Friday night this week because I am going to a gig with uh, some fellow Chelsea people, which will be lovely. Mark Meehan, Marco Worrell, certainly, and a few others, no doubt. So there we go. Um, now, uh, on this Thursday evening, of course, we have the wonderful Jonathan Kidd. Great to be on the show. Thanks, Chidge, for having me. Love it, love it, love it being on the show. Thank it's you. Always lovely to see your face on a, on a Zoom screen. It's much, much nice to see it in person, obviously, but this is a good second best. I know a bit jowly in, in person. With this, I can always keep my chin up. Mm, looking good, looking good. Uh, fresh off another unbelievably brilliant uh, fan bite last night. Oh, thank God. Great sweet of you. It was so wet. My phone kept getting wet and everything just kept being wet. So, and, uh, but I took my daughter. Um, for the first time anybody watched it but um, um, and she was fantastic I hadn't realised what fun she could be watching a football match she said it's so quick isn't it she said because never been to a football match ever before it's so speedy she said who's that down the f- is that Mason Mount I said yes she said oh wow I love him I thought he played for Manchester she said and I said no 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 because she saw the Euros and uh, she said oh good do you think do you think he I could I could attract his attention I said well we're pretty close but unlikely the ball might come over here oh would it I'd love it I said Mason he was but Mason she said oh you're so embarrassing she got one of the other things she said was um before I go on too much about it she said what if the opposition aren't very good she said and uh, I've been embarrassing what to the what to the what to the crowd chant and i said they normally chant your shit and you know we and you know you are and she said oh that makes sense yes i quite like that she said but oh she was very good fun and she said next time i'm going to wear my um that shirt you gave me which was a 2005 uh, title winners shirt and she said i'll wear that one. Oh no she said it's a bit old can i have a a new one with i love mason mount written on the back she said and I said, I'd prefer that you wore the, the retro shirt if that was okay. But it's old. I said, no, it's a good thing to be wearing them. It's quite good. It's positive, you know. But no, she uh, she loved it and was charming. So so thank you for And I mentioned her a couple of times in the fan bite. But she was, uh, you could have done a whole fan bite on her on her own, actually. I she bet. Was... I bet. That was lovely. What a lovely thing. Uh, who have we got on the show tonight, JK? Oh, God, I, I can't. We've got, we've got, uh, we've got, uh, uh, oh, my God. We've got the wonderful Dean Mears, who, who's not there at the moment because he was had his lovely baby be his new baby with him and uh, um, uh, went to Mo King's Meadow is, is uh, one of the great uh, podcasts at the moment so fantastic over the women's team and um, what's happened to the baby Dean is it is, is, is... he's still here she's he's still here start, but... he's going to start creaming now and talking oh of course of course um, when you talk he's quiet so if you can carry on okay I'll keep carrying on yeah, and yeah. Uh, and of course next we have the um, the brilliant Adam Newson whose uh, insights are always uh, fascinating from football.london and um, lovely to have you on again Adam it's always a joy to see you on the mm, programme I echo that lovely to see Dean as well we haven't seen Dean for a while because of course he's obviously uh... I would love to see Dean obviously, obviously. well yeah 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 yeah. it was lovely to see them both but uh, yeah. particularly Dean because we haven't seen him for a while because of course he has had his hands full somewhat with a new baby as we saw evidence of uh, not five ten minutes ago um here's a question for you all to start the ball rolling um you'll have to put your hand up if you know the answer no, don't all blurt it out at once why was liquidator replaced with jump around last night does anybody know um perhaps they're fed up with people singing we hate Tottenham. well we're all fed up with that but there's still there's no excuse to well, adam, knows, adam knows oh, adam knows adam, adam knows adam is grinning he's got I a smug a... look on his face I might know, and it's uh, apparently just because Chelsea came out early. It might just be because Chelsea came out quite early. Um, and apparently they were in the tunnel quite a long time before that as well. So they were just sort of kept half waiting around. And 
obviously the club have to play the Champions League music and everything when the teams are coming out and whatnot. So I think it was just a bit of a um, a bit of a shambles in terms of the teams actually coming out and it threw everything off. I think that is the reason, but it might not be. I will concede that. Well, you you've absolutely earned your spurs tonight already. Uh... Uh, Adam as a preeminent football journalist of your generation for knowing the answer to that I have to say I'm still disgusted by the fact they play Jump Around no 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 play a, a Chelsea oriented song like London Calling or something anyway I don't want to sound all curmudgeonly any opportunity to get the clash in or somebody but we played we played we played uh, London Calling many a time at the bridge we play Madness a lot there are there are identifiable Chelsea related songs Jump Around is not one of them I've never made the connection with London Calling. Well, Joe Strummer was a Clash fan. How about that for starters? And he lived in the world's end of state. Joe Strummer wasn't a Clash fan. He was a Chelsea fan. Sorry, I mean, you know what I mean. Joe Strummer was a Chelsea fan. He lived in the world's end of state and he used to stand on the shed. Okay, okay. I'll tell you what we should do when we play Arsenal because Depeche Mode were also Chelsea fans, are still Chelsea fans. When Arsenal come to the bridge, we should play Enjoy the Silence. Clever. There we go. On that bon mot, I shall proceed. Um, because there was a match, obviously, uh, that I sadly couldn't go to, but I know Jonathan was there. I know Adam was there. I'm not sure about Dean. Dean maybe was uh, otherwise occupied with his lovely new baby. Um, but it was it was, it was was quite fun watching on the telly. I had to watch it on catch-up as well, which is even worse. But there you go. Um, it was the biggest win under Tuchel, which kind of surprised me. I don't know why, because I should know that kind of thing. But I thought it was a good win. I thought it was a good performance. They did what they had to do. They scored four goals. What's, what's not to like? But I have to say, at somewhat of a cost, Adam, because... Uh, not only, I mean, as Oscar Wilde would say, to lose one striker can be cast as misfortune. To lose two is disgraceful. Yeah, I was surprised and not surprised in terms of what Tuchel did with his side. Given his history, I, I kind of suspected he would go quite strong and he did. Personally, I didn't think it was that necessary. Um, as Malmo somewhat proved over the course of the 90 minutes, they're not that good. And I thoroughly believed that you could have started a, a front three of well, of what turned out to be the front three of Havertz, um, Hudson Adoy, and uh, and Mount, and not had any problems in this at all. Um, I think you probably could have also given Saul some minutes um, from a start of a match. But um, yeah, it's it's a bit concerning, I guess, to lose Lukaku and Werner. Although the flip side is neither has played brilliantly um, for this. Well last month, six weeks. Lukaku's obviously had his issues and Tuchel said before the game that he felt Lukaku had been a bit overplayed recently, um, but then started him anyway. Um, and obviously Timo Werner's Timo Werner. Uh, you, you know, he'll run around a lot, miss some chances, maybe get a goal. He jumps um, around. He yeah. does jump around. Um, so, yeah, it, it did come at a cost. I think the fact that Chelsea's fixtures are um, favourable in the next few is in a couple of weeks. Um, it's not the worst time to, to get these injuries. Um, so, yeah, I'm intrigued now to see what happens at Norwich, to be honest. I think it makes the Norwich game a bit more interesting, actually, um, to see what like the likes of Hudson Adore and Havertz will actually be able to do That's starting the, a Premier League game. I thought Havertz played much better than we've seen him all season, actually. I mean, I know they were very they were very poor, but he seemed to have more of a raison d'être. You know, he appeared to actually have... he was have a... playing in his best position. But that was absolutely the point I was about to make. Well, we made this point, didn't we, last week? We did make exactly that point, mm. Jude. Absolutely. Yeah, he, so, took a bit of a, he took a bit of a bollocking a couple of times from Tuchel in the first half because um, yes. he gave the ball away. 
uh, I think twice in quick succession and uh, Tuchel just lost it with him as he tends to do with some players. Um, but as you say, I thought he improved as the game went on. I think he links quite well with Hudson-Odoi. Um, I think I saw this out on Twitter today that they've they've linked up for goals six times um, for Chelsea mm. and they've only started six league games together. So they seem to have a good understanding and I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see how that um, how that goes against Norwich because I really hope we do see them both start. You do. I I, I want to ask Dean a, a a question, but he's burping at the moment. Not 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 himself burping. He's bur- he's burping his baby. So, I mean, Dean, I, I, look, it's never nice to see any Chelsea player get injured. Um, and you know, notwithstanding the fact that neither of them seem to be scoring goals at the moment. It was certainly not nice to see our, our, you know, Werner and Lukaku getting injured. But I think, in particular, because I, I mean, I, I understand what Adam said, Dean, that, you know, having moaned about um, Lukaku being overplayed, he then went to play him. But I, I can understand why he did because I think that Tuchel, like a lot of us, is, is desperate to find a way to to get Lukaku service to score goals. And I think he thinks that Werner and Lukaku can strike up some sort of a partnership. So. To lose them both is just very unfortunate, not just for us, but also for them in a way, because it might impede their progress as a, as, a, as, a, as a strike force. What do you think? Yeah, it sort of was the perfect game for them to, to yeah. play together against a not very good defence so that, you know, goals get you confidence as a striker. That's what they feed off. And it was a good opportunity for them to obviously, you know, get some goals. And like you said, unfortunately, they both ended up becoming injured, but then that plays into the hands of, some other players in the squad maybe to then perhaps take their chance. And if Lukaku needs a rest, he's, he's going to be forced to take one now because he's not going to be able to play. Brilliant. Yeah. I can't take my eyes off your darling little baby, mate. It's just brilliant watching watching you with that. Is that the thing to do, Chidge, to get your attention is to bring a child in? Oh, right? but you know, I mean, it's like it's like kind of it's like infant observation for me. You know, it's okay. like like work really, isn't it? But anyway. I'll, I'll hire the next door neighbours. Yeah. Can, can I just say that I... I, I think he played Lukaku deliberately to score. I think that was the yeah, idea. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, to, to give him his mean, confidence. And I think yeah. he would have scored a couple easily because he he won the scored the one where he was chopped down. But I, I, I don't think the partnership was going very well up until then because Werner was, was he does this, I'm, I'm sorry to go on about him, but he, he, he gets very unbalanced. He's, he's, he runs in the penalty area is, and he's almost, penalty area, almost on one leg, one foot, when he's about to play a shot, uh, uh, play a shot, about a, about a, I can't speak, kick the ball into the net, supposedly. So I, I actually thought they were um, uh, a partnership that wasn't working in that game. And I'm, I fear to say, Mr. Pessimist, won't work at all. And I just, I had to think it's... Um, you, they were all uh, or nothing, you are, JK. That's what I, I, I love am, about I think, you. Either the way. amount of time that we're giving them to gel is time wasted. And uh, I think he's got to come up with another idea. Well, I, he has no choice now, of course, which Indeed. is, which well, is, no, you got... know, in a, in a funny... If, if Lukaku comes back before him, I'd like to see who whether it works with someone else. Well, they reckon know? they reckon Lukaku's out for two or three weeks. And I would imagine, yeah. d- you know, depending on the extent of Werner's... Well, ha- Werner's done his hammy, so that we well, don't... One, two, three or four, whatever yeah. it is. Well, you just don't... I mean, I don't know. Adam might have some info on that. But, I mean, you know, if he's, if he's... I don't think he's pulled it i think he's as frank used to say he has an awareness in his hamstring <laughs> yes so, he did didn't he i'm not aware of how much of an awareness it is so i couldn't tell you how long but it could be a few weeks as well i think pulisic has an awareness in his ankle doesn't he all the time it keeps screaming at him oh, mate he, don't he's he, made a glass he, mate. He, he, um 
but you you know the reality is in in a funny old sense it's quite serendipitous for Tuchel because he has no other option than to try a plan B and as we both as we all know we were talking about it I think on Monday's show you know I I said we have two strikers at this club one is uh, Lukaku and the other is Havertz those are the two players that will play in the number nine position albeit in a very different way um I, I agree I didn't know that stat that Adam came up with about uh, uh Hudson Odoi's assists for Havertz but we know that Hudson Odoi and even Tuchel said it himself uh, maybe even today I can't remember but you know that that he knows that it's Hudson Odoi's best position but sometimes he has to take one for the team and play right wing back so we've got a situation now where we've got Hudson Odoi playing in his right position Havertz playing in his right position and Mount playing in his position I suppose you could say so do you think Adam that's what they're going to go with I mean, we'd be foolish not to in a way yeah, I suppose you've obviously got Ziyech in there who could come in, um, but I don't really... Unless he's got a headache. <laughs> yeah, unless he's got a headache. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely go with that front, uh, front three against Norwich. Uh, as I said, I, I'd love... I really think Callum has so much trouble for in this left left wing role, and I've, I've gone on rants on this before. It's time that Chelsea really do find out if Callum has it or hasn't, and if, if it's worth persisting with him or not longer term. And I think this is a really good chance to f- discover that. Um, and yeah, obviously Kai Kai is very good through the middle. I'm very interested to see what happens if if Lukaku and Werner are out for two or three weeks, and Havertz leads the line and Hudson Hudson Odoi plays on the left, and you've got Mount on the right. If that attack play well and convince, and, and Chelsea win games in a fashion that they haven't necessarily done this season what Tuchel does then um, because look Romelu Lukaku was signed for the best part of 100 million pounds he's going to play but if Chelsea's attack is is functioning better without him it does create something of a problem for Tuchel and that could happen uh, especially given the the opponents Chelsea have they they in theory can get on a good little run here and, and hopefully have a few games where where they've got license to attack a bit more and and hopefully be a bit more creative than they've been and and yeah, it could just be a, a nice sort of little wrinkle for for Tuchel to to deal with. With if Lukaku does come back, with Chelsea actually playing really well and scoring a lot of goals. Yes, indeed. I mean, what do you, what do you reckon, Dean? Are you, I mean, you know, on the other hand, uh, I mean, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because as I said, Lukaku and uh, Werner weren't exactly scoring. Um, so, I mean, I tell you what really worries me, Dean, it's the lack of cover. I mean, you know, you've got no Lukaku and no and no Werner for three weeks, possibly. We, we're we not enamoured of Zayec at the moment, although we know he's got talent. And Pulisic, got no idea how long he'll be injured for. So, re- literally, as Harry used to say, we're down to the bare bones, aren't we, in terms of... Oh, we've got Barkley, I suppose. I forgot about him. But, you know, basically, he's got, he's going to have to play what he's got. And that is, I think... Hudson-Odoi, Mount and, and Havertz. But is is that lack of cover a concern at the moment? I think it must be, because if, if one of them picks up a similar injury against Norwich, you know, then you're going down, you're looking at probably Loftus-Cheek to play further forward. Alonso um, up front, mate. I think Alonso and Ben Chiel up front together um, <laughs> be brilliant, wouldn't it? would be the best solution to everything. But yeah, sort of thinking what's Tammy Abraham maybe thinking that you know, he could have been a, a vital part to the squad this year with, with those injuries. Yeah, or Bro, yeah. He probably doesn't care that he's scoring at Roma at the moment. So, um, yeah, we're going to have to get through it. I, I like us with Havertz as a false nine anyway, and I think we've been playing that way with Lukaku up front. It's not really made much sense to me the way we've been trying to play with, with him, not using him to 
his best ability. So, as Adam said, perhaps they they click and they look better than we do with Lukaku in the team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, I'm going to move it on because, uh, you know, it, there's not much to talk about the game, really. But, I mean, Christensen scored a fantastic goal. Uh, Jorginho scored two penalties. Um, Rudiger was hilarious as always. He's determined to score a goal, isn't he? I can't wait for the moment when he actually finally, one of those gut-busting runs for the whole of the length of the pitch, beating everybody who's in his path. Steamroller. He reminds me of Jonah Lomu when he when he by, ran over most of the England team in that World Cup match in the rugby. You know, he's going to score a goal one day, and when he does, the whole place is going to go. It's going to explode, isn't it, J.K.? Well, the, the love for him when he goes forward is <laughs> phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, and he, he blew it, didn't he, in the uh, towards the end um, when the ball was laid off to him. Was it from a free kick and he just hit it about 80 yards over the bar? I mean, that was the... He should actually have just screamed it into the corner. That would have been uh, the icing on the cake for his performance last night. What I loved about him as well was very early on, he crunched into somebody, didn't he? And there was a wonderful Twitter picture of him, like a... a a raging beast with his tongue out moving away from the after he'd done the tackle and the uh the ref then had a special word with him to say none of that and to be fair he didn't do it again but blimey he certainly made his presence presence felt yeah, didn't he? he did indeed brilliant um so it's a very interesting scenario that we've got because we're still second to juve thanks to losing to them over in italy so my, my feelings adam would be that you know if we beat juve uh at home, then that should decide who comes top of the group. Although, uh, we've got that nasty little prospect of an away trip to Zenit, St. Petersburg, in December, where it's likely to be Arctic conditions. And, you know, Juve only beat them 1-0 last night. So that's a potential banana skin, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. You look at uh, the fact that Chelsea didn't find it that easy against them at Stamford Bridge that, that Juventus needed, I think it was 86th minute goal last night to get past them. They're not easy to to, to beat. Um, so, yeah, I do think it's going to come down to the last game unless Juve slip up uh, against Zenit at home, which I don't think so, or, or even somehow Malmo get a result against them, which I usually doubt. So I do think it will come down to that last game, as you say, St. Petersburg in December. Not probably great conditions but their stadium does have a roof so it won't be absolutely oh, right. as Baltic as it could potentially be so um, so yeah it's not going to be easy I don't think Chelsea are going to have to, to be, be on it for these next three games if they want to clinch top spot but hey ultimately if they finish second they're going to get a probably tricky draw but then they had it last year and, and it didn't prove too difficult to come through did it so no, exactly that yeah well it'll be interesting obviously so we're, we've got Malmo next first obviously and then Juve and then Zenit and then we'll know won't we right I'm going to move on a little bit of a roundup of the news uh, JK uh, you were mentioning shirts for Georgia last night your lovely daughter did you at any moment of the proceedings think about splashing out 200 quid on the 42 special edition Chelsea shirt with uh, five-year-olds doing crayon designs on it, maybe? Well, funnily enough, no. But I, d- I was intrigued by the um, the replica, replica cause shirt of 1997 that uh, you could buy for 430 quid that a bit was somebody had just um, uh, drawn over it with a, with a white crayon. And I thought that was actually much better than the Chelsea shirt. That, that was the- Chris, Chris Wright. <laughs> Yes, very amusing, yeah. very clever. He wrote very he wrote that lovely book that we've been leaning on for our, our current bit of the Fifty Years series. Yes, yes, indeed. And he's a lovely. Chap. Yes, that was a that was a clever moment. Yes, it is absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, 
what what child came up with that and expected child in the marketing department i would imagine yeah to sell that's part of the trouble is somebody will buy it that's the problem isn't it and then we'll wear it at the bridge with pride probably but it's just oh a, it's a, i mean Good. you know it's a, it's a blatant money grabbing exercise from bloody guy lawrence again it's just but there are so many things they could do from a shirt point of view everybody loved the the blue blue and yellow kit that we wore um uh, that was the, for the one-off game they could they could put something on that european champions on that or something or find a way of making that relevant and everybody would buy that because it's such a brilliant looking kit but yeah. this is just absolutely oh, atrocious it's it's hideous and flagrant fla- flagrant blatant flagrant flagrant, flagrant. flagrant. Good. Fla- Blatant flagrant. Yeah, I kind of got the muddle. I almost said fragrant. I don't know if it's fragrant because I haven't yeah, bought one. Yeah, yeah. Smells of Chelsea, whatever that yes. means. It smells of victory. Yes. What's that guy's name? Captain Colonel Kildare. Kilgore, isn't it? Apocalypse now. Yes. I love yeah. the smell of napalm in the morning. Oh, the smell, the smell. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Anyway, look, something. I mean, if that was ridiculous, and it is ridiculous, and I mean, you know, if you want to buy it, fine. That's up to you. I wouldn't stop anybody buying it. But I'm just sick of all this money grabbing that goes on at that club, exploitative to the extreme. But anyway, this is a far more serious issue. Dino, bless his heart, um, you know, had a bit of a, a. I don't know if you can have a polemic on Twitter. I don't know if you get enough words for a polemic. But if you if you can, then I think Dean did it. Because uh, the Club World Cup apparently is now going to the UAE or Dubai. Um, And, of course, it was going to be in Japan. We were all worried about it being in Qatar for the obvious human rights issues therein. I'm not happy that the World Cup's going there, let alone anything else. But actually, you can make a pretty good case for the UAE UAE not exactly being uh, a a bastion of tolerance and understanding. They're particularly... uh, pretty horrible against the lgbt plus community aren't they dino you had worse to say yeah i just think as a club they you know promote inclusivity on the side of the megastore is uh, the women's you know star player penilla harder who's in a relationship with the club captain uh, magda erickson um they hosted an event with uh addyship into action uh, about two weeks ago at stamford bridge which was the you know the pride groups from every London club about what they could do to take their allyship into the next step, which is action. And then for them to go and play a game in a country where you know gay people are subjected to public floggings, uh, castration, uh, chemical treatments, and even you know death is you know beyond me that they would they would do that if they are serious about you know LGBT plus rights and being an open and inclusive club they need to either say you know we want the game moved or we won't play and you know i know it's a big thing for a, for a club to do for a competition that we want to win as a as a club is the one missing um but you know some things are bigger and i think this is one of them and it's an opportunity for the club to to make an actual change rather than you know just words on a website or words on twitter you know it's actual action mm. I, I, well, I'd, I'd, I'd like you. I would love to see that happen, Adam. I don't. I don't see much hope of it happening. And also, where where else could they play it? Apart well, from Stamford I mean, Bridge, obviously. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. There's there's lots of different options. South, uh, South Africa, Southampton. That was South mentioned, Africa. wasn't it? <laughs> South Africa. Was Southampton mentioned. would suit me. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> South Africa was mentioned at, uh, at some point. Look, uh, it's FIFA. 
and it doesn't surprise us really at this point the decisions that they take they very much sort of portrayed this as oh well it's been played in the uae before so we're taking it back to to what it's been in the past and money it's a very easy uh a very easy cop out and as you say yeah we kind of know what's behind it football is what it is it would be lovely if chelsea did make uh, a massive stand up against something like this but oh, i suppose the club are in a tricky position and, and as, as you said as dean said you know is a trophy the club haven't won and, and if chelsea were to pull out of it you can you know for well the they get loads of flat from a lot of a lot of the fan base and you know that they have sponsors and, and everything else you've got to keep yeah. in mind as well so it's, it's a very difficult situation but it would be good if uh if at least chelsea could publicly come out and, and disagree with it being hosted there you know, you know what they should do if it is to be played though they should they should have a special talking of shirts uh and kits they should have a rain a rainbow kit they should wear Absolutely. rainbow kits for every game that would be that would be brilliant and it would be a real Fuck off to to FIFA and 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 also, you know the UAE. Um, right. I finally want to wrap the show up because, of course, for those that know, and there'll be plenty of us that do. Tomorrow, Friday, is the twenty fifth anniversary of the very very tragic death of Matthew Harding, who, of course, at the time was the vice chairman of Chelsea, and I think was a man almost single handedly responsible for uh, turning Chelsea or beginning. Well, he kind of like started. It he was the catalyst, really for the club that Chelsea, the club that we know and love now, really, by getting, by, by fun, you know, he, he basically paid for the, uh, the uh, a lot of the ground development. Uh, obviously, the Matthew Harding stand is named after him in honour of that. Um, and, of course, we had all these fabulous players arrive at the club, like Rude Hullet, Gianluca uh, Viali, and Franco, of course, and Leboeuf, and Di Matteo, all these kind of players. And, you know, basically, we, we started to be, you know, a real team. He brought the glamour back, didn't he, J.K.? Yeah, yeah. With, um, uh, I mean, obviously, it had been it, it was started a few years before. I mean, it, it, one mustn't. It's easy to paint Bates as being the great villain, but he he was a, a an architect of the whole thing originally. But um, Matthew Harding, um, uh, I suppose, added added a a, a, a much more um, sophisticated design to the whole club as a consequence of his financial involvement and came to blows with Bates as a consequence because of his um, uh, his outstanding, um, uh, slightly revolutionary views about the club, which is, I think, his big thing was not to, to try and develop the ground initially. He just wanted to to get the best team possibly. In a sense, he was he was slightly pre-Roman, um, Roman, uh, pre-Romaning Roman by wanting to get... pre-Roman, I like that. Pre-Roman, yeah, to try and get the club to win everything first and then develop the ground accordingly. But I think he then went into a kind of um, um, collusion with Bates ultimately to say, no, let's do the ground and we will then attract players as well. So theirs became a, a partnership of, um, I mean, a difficult partnership, but uh, it was, everything was tragically cut short by the helicopter accident, which accident of the, the, the tragedy, I should say, mm. um, which uh, uh, as you say, was, uh, was 25 years ago and we were all, um, only interested in the loss at Bolton at the time, thinking, hang on, surely this team's good enough to have won this League Cup tie. Those of us who weren't there, and I wasn't. And then the horror of discovering that uh, one of the one of the members of the of the um, of the of the helicopter crash was, uh, as well as several other people on it. The, the chap Baldy was a uh, well, I can't remember his first name. Was it Steve Baldy? Was a, a really top pop journalist. 
um, was involved in the accident as well, in the accident, in the tragedy. And um, uh, yes, it was a, it was a, it was disastrous, actually, a disastrous moment, and such a shame that so somebody so um, visionary um, didn't come to see the club, uh, the the events come to it, that he started up coming to their fruition by them winning the Premier League and then ultimately the road to uh, to somebody investing in the club because it was such an attractive proposition. We end up winning the Champions League. So the he was an enormous cog in the success of, of the uh, the club over the years. And it was a deep loss for the club, I have to say. Uh, it was indeed. Well, and, and of course, not most of all for his family, uh, to whom we, as always at this time of the year, send our condolences. Um there will be, of course, uh, the wonderful crowd surfing banner that uh, bears the legend Matthew Harding, uh, always loved, never forgotten. Uh, that'll be whizzing across the Matthew Harding lower on Saturday, as it always does on the game that's around the date. Um, and uh, and I've got an article. Uh, my weekly column, Football.London, is, is kind of commemorating Matthew Harding and talking about that, which the boys there will uh, hopefully put up tomorrow. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, if uh, if you you know have a have a pint of Guinness and raise a toast to Matthew Harding tomorrow, because um, if it hadn't been for him, we probably wouldn't be sitting here now talking about the club and the way we are. So we owe him a lot. So there you go. Um, right, um, we're going to have a quick break, and then when we come back, we've got the lovely Rob Butler from the Norwich, well, it's the Scrimmage podcast, uh, which is about Norwich City, because that will be our opposition view. So there you go. In the meantime, Adam, brilliant to see you as always. Lovely, lovely, lovely to see you. Um, you too, guys. And hopefully we'll see you very soon. I, I haven't done the new schedule yet, so I'm not quite sure when that is, but no doubt it will be finding its way into your email inbox very soon. No worries. Whenever you need me, guys, I'm here. Lovely to see you as always, mate. Thank you as ever. Right, we'll be back in a minute and we'll see you all then. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Uh, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am, of course, Stanford Chidge. And, of course, we have the lovely Jonathan Kidd on the show. Great to be on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Always good to see you, see you JK. And uh, uh, for the first time in a long time, thanks to the arrival of his new baby, Olivier, is the lovely Dean Mears. Evening, everyone. Pleasure to be back. Um, the baby's off now, so... Free to enjoy the fan class once again. We will, we will. And uh, right, of course, at this time of the the programme, we always have this. The Opposition View. Uh, That's right. Now, the Opposition View this week, of course, we're playing Norwich on Saturday. And I'm really, really delighted to have uh, Rob Butler from the Scrimmage podcast with us. Hello, Rob. Hello. Yes, great to be here. Can I just first of all say... You told me, Chidge, earlier that this is audio only, this podcast. There's no video, there's no YouTube or anything like that. I mean, I can't, I'll let the listeners into a secret. I can see you all and handsome guys that you are, but it's only, and you are a man after my own heart, the fact this is only audio, because, you know, we don't want to be seen on screen, do we? We don't. Or do we? The, the people don't need that, not in their no, lives. No, and I mean, that's it's a podcast. It's a exactly. podcast. Um, yes. uh, talking of which, Rob, tell me about your podcast. 
Well, I work for BBC Radio Norfolk up here in Norwich. And um, yeah, we've got a podcast that's been going for, for well, ages now, over 10 years called The Scrimmage. Um, you may be wondering why it's called The Scrimmage, because yes. um, lots of people... Why is it yeah. called The Scrimmage, right? Yes, I'll tell you. Um, you. Well, the, the word scrimmage, I mean, when you're searching for it, you get lots of NFL and American football podcasts, because obviously yeah. that's, the, the word scrimmage is something which means kind of an American sport practice. That's kind of what the word they use. But in our song, On the Ball City, the oldest football song in the world, um, one of the lines is, have a little scrimmage. So but years ago, when Chris Gore and my co-host came up with the name, he decided to call it The Scrimmage. And I think a scrimmage back in the sort of early 1900s in a football match was a bit of a tussle, like a scrum in rugby. Was so the ball's the there. Yeah, we have lots of them at Norwich. You know, we, we, we haven't always played that champagne football that we're playing at the moment. <laughs> we used to have times you just have to kick lumps of each, of each other. And apparently that was called a scrimmage. So in the, the song On the Ball City, there's a line which is have a little scrimmage. So we, we stole that. I Clever. like that. I like that a lot. It was an era, though, where the goalkeeper was, um, if he'd go for the ball, four players could barge him into the net. Correct. And the referee would give the goal. Yeah, well, there's a famous one, isn't there? Nat Lofthouse, yeah. I think, scored yeah. for, I think yeah. it was Bolton Wanderers. Bolton, yeah. yeah, banged him in. 57. Cup, 57. Cup final. It was Harry Gregg. Harry Gregg Brilliant. was the goalkeper. That's great. I Harry like Gregg uh, was, um, was smashed into that, and I think broke his neck at the same time. Amazing. Yeah. So that we all, as you know, we're all more elderly gentlemen. I'll say mature gentlemen. We we love to love to moan about referees protecting goalkeepers, don't we? Oh, he's now come on, look, he's gone no. But that I remember when John Ruddy knocked out Didier Drogba. I don't know if you remember that at Stamford oh, Bridge. I, do you know he what? went out for a punch and he just punched Drogba yeah, ball out. I do yeah. I do vaguely remember that? Yeah, and that would be a penalty nowadays, and then yeah, it was just considered bad luck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you should exactly. you, you know you shouldn't have headed his fist. No, but I mean, come on, you, you've got to do well to knock out Drogba oh, because he's enough. a big man, big he, man. He is. Well, look, thank you for that, Rob. I was intrigued about the name of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> now, um, here's the question, really. I mean, all, yeah. all the pundits that, that you read or, or speak to or whatever, they, they all seem to think that Norwich are already relegated. I mean, how on earth does that make you feel as a Norwich fan? Sort of deja vu, really, because... You know, the, the, let's go right back. The, the, you know, the first ever Premier League season, we were the favourites to go down and we finished third. I'm not saying that's going to happen this time. I don't think it will. I think there's pretty much uh, no chance of that happening. But I think as Norwich fans, when we're in the Premier League, which we have been, you know, plenty of times, we're founder members and we've been up and down a few times, as you know, we're always kind of looked at as the team that are going to be at the bottom of the league. We're always looked at as a bit of the kind of poorer cousin, the country boys coming for a go. And to be honest, we sort of expect it. Lots of Norwich fans have, have really got upset with what certain national radio stations have said about us. That, that seems to be one of them who's got a bit of an agenda against Norwich, but it gets some clicks. So that's what people do. So we're kind of all right with it. We kind of like the fact that people write us off. We're not really proving anyone wrong at the minute, but a couple of nil-nil draws, you know, hopefully the, the, the head coach, Daniel Farker, is posting these kind of articles on the dressing room wall and all that kind of cliche and, it, and it's going to spur the lads on but I don't think we really care to be honest it's just something we've we've lived with ever since becoming Norwich fans really. But I'm slightly bemused by the fact that you play well in the uh, championship and you come up mm. and um, clubs that if you've been equal with like Brentford for example then play out of their skins and yet you're not doing so I mean I, I personally don't have that prejudice about Norwich at all I actually think Norwich are back in Let's see how they're going to play. Because I remember the, the Norwich of the, the beginning, uh, the original era when they were a top, top side with some top, top players. Mm. And so 
So really, I, I'm never looking at a team thinking, oh, they'll just go down again. I'm always thinking, are they going to manage this year? Because it's so difficult to get out of the championship, yet you manage to do it with regularity. Yeah, so there must be something working. Then why doesn't it then work in the Premier League? What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to money quite a lot, lot of the time. Obviously, you know, Delia Smith and Michael Wynne-Jones, you know, they're our owners. And, you know, the club, whether you agree with it or not, have got this kind of mantra of they're self-funded. So they're generating their own money. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. bringing up young players. They're selling them on. The next one off the conveyor belt is probably Max Aarons, you know, possibly Todd Cantwell as well. You know, they're, they're going to be two that sell for you know, 10, 15, 20 million. And that money goes back into the coffers and keeps things going. Not all fans are happy with that. You know, a lot of Norwich fans like that. They like that kind of self-funding model. A lot of Norwich fans don't like it and they want to see perhaps Delia bring in some investment or even, dare I say, sell up and, and bring in a yeah. not necessarily any foreign owner, you know, with, with what's happened at Newcastle, but a an owner, whether they be British or, or, or foreign, who can come in and put a bit more money in. You know, there's... There's 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 a bit of a crossroads happening with Norwich at the minute. Lots of fans are behind it and happy with the self-funded model. Lots aren't, and it's just it's just where do we go? Where, what do we really want? Do we want to be at the top of the championship and come up and then come straight back down, or do we want to kick on like even Burnley have and Southampton? And these are all teams that you know we were bigger than back in the early nineties. We were we were kind of above them in the league. And- is it all down to investment though? Is it not down to to management and a couple of, of of players who just seem to turn it on. I always feel that's that can happen in the Premier League, is and you stay yeah, up yeah. in the following season. You've got enough money to buy a couple of decent players, and it seems to it seems to roll on from there. And you then you then become uh, um, a fixture in the division, as you say with Burnley. That's been a an example, isn't it? it yeah, I mean, we're we're quite we're quite jealous of Brentford. You know, I know they're your your near neighbours down there, and you know they've they've done really well. You know, but players like Ivan Tony who's, you know, he's brilliant in the championship, has had a good start to the season. You know, Norwich could have got him. You know, he's come from Peterborough, which is just up the road, as you know. So I guess you could look at the recruitment and say that it is a little bit hit and miss. Norwich have spent about 60 million um, in the in the summer, this summer, which is quite a lot for Norwich. Obviously, that's not a massive net spend because they brought in a lot of money for Emi Buendia um, going to Villa. But... The, the jury's out on a few of them. You know, we've got a player called Milot Rashica, who's a cost of an international, came from Werder Bremen, who'd been relegated to the Bundesliga two. You know, and he's he's our record signing in inverted commas, and he hasn't he hasn't really done a lot yet. Um, we've got Christos Jolis, a player from uh, Pauk Salonika in Greece. He's a the the you know Farker described him as one of the most exciting talents in Europe. You know, lots of other fans were complimenting Norwich getting him because they all know a good he is on football manager and FIFA and all that. But again, we haven't really seen him. Farker's quite reluctant to put him in. So fingers are pointing at manager, fingers are pointing at the sporting director for recruitment and fingers are pointing at the investment as well. So Norwich fans aren't in a massively good place at the minute, but that can all change pretty quickly in football. I mean, just to kind of summing all of that up, Rob, I mean, you know, if there is, you know, shall we say a lack of investment or, or a lack of desire to invest the money in, in getting players you could keep you on the in the Premier League and I, I think Jonathan and, and yourself made a good point actually about Burnley you know surely that 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 speaks of a lack of ambition which I think you know the the reality about football no matter what league you're in you want to see your team win matches you want to see your team challenge for titles if they can or at least a cup you want to see your your club progress and if you're yo-yoing all of the time that doesn't happen no, I agree. You know, I t- I, I, I've got to agree. I'm, you know, I've been a Norwich fan for a very long time, and I've seen 
as we said at the start of this, I've seen Norwich nearly win the Premier League. I've seen them yeah. be nine points clear at the top of the Premier League at Christmas. And you beat, you you know, beat Bayern Munich, didn't you, the next bit, season? It was, it was the same season. That's right. That's the yeah. next season. Yeah, we qualified for the UEFA Cup. We, yeah. Would have been the Champions League now, finishing third, as, as of course you know. And then the next season, you know, it was the anniversary the other day. You know, we, we beat Bayern Munich over two legs, um, you know, massive club. And then we lost to Inter Milan in the following rounds and you know, by the odd goal. Uh, so, you know, we've been there. We've done it. You know, it's, it's been it's been there for Norwich City. Um, but for whatever reason, I mean, it's a long time ago. Football was different. Football's changed now. Football is based on how much money you've got, unfortunately, in the Premier League. You have to spend money and you have to get good players in. You have to have great recruitment, which obviously Chelsea you've got, and you have to have the, the cash as well. And Norwich are kind of a little bit iffy on both, if I'm honest. Um, but... That's not to say we want to go down the road of just kind of getting anyone in and throwing money at it. But I think there is a definite feeling from Norwich fans that, like you said, lack of ambition is probably a bit strong. But there is there is a lack of that real desire to stay up and go, right, let's really go for it. Um, because they've been burnt before signing players that haven't come off, spending loads of money. And, and I think the club are a bit wary of that. And they want to primarily have a financial footing that, that means they can carry on doing that kind of yo-yoing. Yeah, I mean, what about the academy, the youth? I mean, you know, the other alternative way to do it is organically. So you actually, mm. you know, spend a lot of time, effort and money on developing good young players. What about that? Yeah, well, I recently had a, a tour around the, the new training ground. We're still at the same place just outside Norwich, but um, they've spent loads of money on the training ground. They've got kind of, you know, new gyms and new canteens and new facilities for the players. And it is quite impressive now because before it was quite a lot of porter cabins and what have you and, and various buildings. And this is this is a, a, a drive to kind of get players to, to come here, whether they be, you know, under 16s or, or established Premier League players and look at our training ground and go, right, this is a Premier League setup. This is where I want to be. So they're definitely trying. You know, I mentioned earlier, there are players coming through, um, you know, the, the youth setup. That I mentioned Todd Cantwell. He's a, a Norfolk boy who's come through. He won't be playing on Saturday, but perhaps we'll get onto that why a little bit later. Um, I mentioned Max Aarons, a player they poached from Luton back when he was a kid. He's brilliant, Max Aaron. So he's been linked with Bayern Munich, Barcelona. You know, he, Barcelona wanted him. There was, there was firm offer there from him. You know, Norwich decided not to sell. They've also got a lad called Andrew Omabomadele, who's um, an, already in an Irish international centre half. The, the great Paul McGrath has been speaking him up and telling him how you know telling him how great he is. And if Paul McGrath knows what he's talking about when it comes to being an Irish centre half, one of the best ever. So, yeah, I mean, there are players coming through, but I think the frustrating thing for me as a Norwich fan, this is with my fans hat on, is that those players are coming through and they will be sold before we really see them kick on. And the same thing happened with um, Emmy Buendia. We got, you know, three great seasons out of him. He's gone. Um, James Madison, you know, we had him, sent him out on loan to Aberdeen, came back, had one season with him. Then we sold him to Leicester, you know, and he's gone on to, to, to do good things, you know, England, international, what have you. So it's a bit frustrating because, you know, you don't want to be a team who sells your players before you've really seen them play for your team. No, indeed. Um, talking of uh, young players, I think every single person who, who listens to this show is desperate to get a Norwich fan's perspective on, on Billy Gilmore because, you know, we love him. I mean, we really rate him highly and we were a bit fed up that he got loaned out, actually, because I think he could have done a job for us this season. And yet he does find himself on the bench a lot, which we can't. I mean, you know, he played for Scotland the other week and he was fantastic again. So why, why is he not getting games? Do you know what? I totally, I'm with you. I, I, I am shocked that Billy Gilmore hasn't played more for Norwich City. I was as excited as every other Norwich fan when we signed him. I thought it was potentially, pound for pound, one of Norwich's best ever signings. I know it was only a loan. 
But I thought, this is Billy Gilmore. This is the Billy Gilmore we saw playing the Euros against England and the best midfielder on the pitch. You know, this is this was the this this was Billy Gilmore. Norwich have signed him. What a masterstroke. Wow. Thomas Tuchel trusts his old you know, friend Daniel Farker so much that he's entrusting us with his best player. That it's frustrating. Believe you me, it's frustrating for Norwich fans because we all want to see Billy Gilmore play because every time we've seen him, he's been fantastic. He's had little off spells and he's he's obviously took a little bit of time to get into the system, but every touch he makes is special. Every, everything he does on the pitch is great. It's the same situation we had with Oliver Skip from Spurs last season. You know, did brilliantly for Norwich in the championship and he's gone back to Tottenham and he's playing every week, you know, and he's doing a great job for him. You know, we knew how good Oliver Skip was, but Daniel Farker wasn't reluctant to play. And for some reason, there's something stopping Daniel Farker putting um, Billy Gilmore in the team. We've got Kenny McLean, who's a good old campaigner, plays in the midfield. Can, he's a bit more, he's a bit of a box-to-box player like Billy Gilmore can do and, and perhaps can attack as well, can score. But Kenny McLean's keeping him out. I mean, he's his Scotland teammate, but we, we went to Burnley, we played at Everton and both times, you know, Gilmore didn't get on. We played Brighton last week and, you know, um, you kind of need a goal. You're, you're looking what's going to come off the bench and what have you. And, and Billy Gilmore, I see him at the end of the game after he hasn't been involved doing his kind of substitute rundown, you know, where they kind of do the laps and, and he looked frustrated. You could see, but I'm sat there doing the phoning on, on radio Norfolk and, I'm just thinking this is a this is a world class player we've got here. We're bottom of the league. We need something, and Daniel Farker won't get him off the bench. It's a worry. Um, there's been reports you saw it probably in the papers this week saying that that you know your sporting director and what have you saying look we might need to recall him. And whether that's true or not, I mean that they're not direct quotes or anything, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, Daniel Farker, I spoke to him last week before the Brighton game, and he was kind of really adamant to say, you know, that we're not here to bed in other people's players you know we're here for Norwich City I got quoted didn't it yeah it did um he said that and 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 I spoke to him about it as well and he kind of said you know we love Billy and you know he's he's a winner he wants to play he wants to be involved even if he you know misses a misses a chance in training he's he's hard on himself yeah we know we know what a great attitude he's got this kid's going to go all the way in the game but for some reason Daniel Farker I don't know about doesn't trust him but just doesn't quite think he's got what it takes at the minute um, because the guy isn't even coming off the bench. So Billy Gilmore, you know him better than I do. He's not going to be the kind of guy who's going to sulk. He's going to roll his sleeves up. He's going to work hard and get in that team. That's the kind of kid he is. That's why he's going to be a winner. But believe you me, we're with every Chelsea fan. I won't speak for all Norwich fans, but the ones I speak to are with you 100% saying we want to see Billy Gilmore out there from the start because this kid is special. We're excited to sign him. Farker, what are you doing, mate? Come on. Was it the same with Patrick Bamford at Norwich? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he didn't really... Yeah, he did, he wasn't great for Norwich, if I'm honest. Um, he's got, gone on to... Yeah, he was good before he came to Norwich, but he's gone on to be brilliant, playing for England now and doing great for Leeds United. But it was a little bit... It was a little bit more him. He just didn't quite fit into what we were doing. Um, but, you know, we... Again, great. We were excited when we signed him, you know, because yeah, yeah. Norwich had played against him for Middlesbrough and he'd always looked dangerous. Um but I, I think Billy Gilmore's a different kettle of fish. I think he's a different level to Patrick Bamford, and Bamford's a good player. I think Billy Gilmore, as you know, is terrific. And the fact you're saying, you guys are saying, we want to see him in the Chelsea team right now. It, I mean, yeah. how can he not get in the Norwich team? We're bottom of the league. We haven't won a game. 
You know, we're hardly scoring any goals. You know, you've got one of the best young players in Europe sitting on the bench, kicking his heels. It is, it's, it's mind-boggling, really, for me. Can I just ask, is it the same with Brandon Williams that he's not getting in? Is he well, he, he's, yeah, enough? he, he's been, he's been out the last couple of games as well. Um, they kind of lumped him into two things when we spoke to Farker about it the other week, because obviously Man United again, big club, sent one of their best young players. But again, Brandon Williams, when we signed him, I'm rubbing my hands because I've seen him play for United. Always been impressed. Always been impressed with the fact he gets forward. He's, you know, he's kind of a, a combative, you know, likes to tackle, but can also get forward. And he's a good dribbler and, and likes to attack. And that that fits in brilliantly with Norwich. We've got another fullback called Dimitris Yanoulis, a Greek international. He's, he's good. We've got two good players at that position. But I'm surprised that Brandon Williams isn't playing as well. And quite frankly, Farker is getting a little bit of criticism from the fans for saying stuff like, we're not here to, you know... Um, warm-up players for other clubs. The bottom line is they are at this club. They are good players. We are bottom of the league. We can't score. We've only got two points on the board. You need to be playing your best players. Brandon Williams hasn't put a foot wrong for Norwich. I can see why Gilmore perhaps hasn't lit any fires quite yet, but we all know how good he is. But Williams has played well every time he's played and he's not in the team. Dino. Yeah, Rob, is there any sort of question about Farker losing his job if the results don't turn and he's not picking these players that fans are questioning why? Or is Good question. Prove thick and thin? Yeah, I mean, I can't see him getting sacked, and this is just an opinion, because the whole thing is set up for Daniel Farker. I mean, Stuart Webber's the sporting director and, and Webber's got a good reputation. Um, you know, he's done well with Norwich. He's, he's got them up twice, you know, and, and Daniel Farker is his right-hand man. He's, he's the manager. He's the head coach. So I think the phrase would be thick as thieves. I think they're close. I think they get on well. Obviously, that can change in a in a heartbeat when a when a sporting director decides that they don't want that manager anymore. But there is pressure from fans. There has been the odd boo um, in the kind of more vocal parts of the, of the stadium when he makes substitutions either too late or takes off players who fans don't want to see taken off and what have you. So that's always a little bit of a watershed we're not like Newcastle fans we aren't going to sit there booing Steve Bruce and you know abusing him and what have you that's not what Norwich fans do you know I think Chelsea are the same they're quite supportive of the managers and they they want to do they want the manager to to turn it around so Norwich fans well at least they're Rafa yeah okay well we'll let you have that one but not Norwich fans have been known to do it but only at the end of their tether um but I think the pressure is on him because it's within its very nature. But honestly, hand on heart, I cannot see him getting sacked. I mean, we, we went 18 games losing in the Premier League over two seasons. Obviously, we had the championship season in the middle, but that's a that's a record for Norwich, obviously. 18 games in a row losing in the Premier League. And it never looked likely that he would even get the old vote of confidence. So I don't think he's I just think he's safe. I think he signed a new four-year deal. I think they're they're looking already at next season. And that that sort of creates its own problems, doesn't it? When you think, well, we're down again, let's go again and yeah. try and do the yo-yo again. It's a bit frustrating, really. I can see that. I can see that. Now I've got a bit of a I mean, we'd be talking about, you know, Bamford, of course, who 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 was a Chelsea player. Don't think he actually played, but that's beside the point. And Billy Gilmore, yeah. of course, who we all love. I, I did a bit of research today, Rob, and yeah. I, I'm surprised by some of the names on here. Obviously, I knew about Andy Townsend, who'd played for both. And of course, how could we ever forget the legend that is Robert Fleck? Oh. And, 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 and boy, 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 do we wish we could get forget Chris Sutton. But I was—I oh. I forgot about Ozzy. Ozzy went on loan there after yeah. after uh, us, I, I think. And Ryan Bertrand, I forgot about. Yeah. Uh, Graham Stewart, I knew about. Uh, Scott Parker was there as well. Yeah, he his was. Career. So there we no, go. Right at the start, actually, Scott Parker. Yeah. yeah, we had him. We had him on loan at, at um, 
when he was at Charlton, when he was a kid Sorry, at Charlton. Yes, I meant, I meant yeah, that's all right. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I was I was surprised by a few of those names. Can you think of any more uh, Chelsea players that have played for Norwich or Norwich players that have played for Chelsea? Try- yes. Yeah, just trying to think um, off the top of my head. I should have prepared for this, but Flecky's the big one. I mean, Fle- as you, you know, it's a, it's a knife to my heart when you besmirch Flecky and Sutton because obviously Robert Fleck was a, well, my one of my first heroes, and Chrissy Sutton was just incredible for us, and went on to have a good career aside from playing for Chelsea. I'm sorry, we were so forced to watch them play. Rob. Yeah, but <laughs> but 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 Robert Not Fleck, Robert Fleck, yeah. for all of his myriad faults at Chelsea, Rob was yeah. loved. I mean, we still yeah. sing number one is Robert Fleck, number two is Robert Fleck. We all live in a Robert Fleck world. That's I oh, love that. that. Was satirical, wasn't that satirical? Yeah, yeah well, of course still, it was. You know, a little bit of love involved. Yeah, no, I yeah, absolutely, and and you know, it's um, he was just such a legend for us, and I know he he was a good character though, Flecky, and and he's still, I mean, I don't know if you know, but but um, Robert Fleck still lives in Norfolk, and he's actually a, a teacher now with the kids really? with special needs. Yeah, no so way. he's he's incredible. Yeah, it's an incredible story. He he, I mean, I, I speak to him sometimes. We always try and get him on the radio. But he's so shy, just doesn't want to come on. And he'll be like, oh, thanks for asking, Rob. But I don't really want to come on. And he's really, really shy. And, and you know, he, we, we managed to get him to talk about the fact that he's now a teacher for special, kids with special needs, which is incredible, really. And, yeah. you know, we spoke to the kids and they absolutely love him. And they don't even know he played football. You know, he's that he, he just keeps quiet about it and just does his job. And it's, it's some story, really, because he's a player that we all love. Another one, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just looking through. I'm trying to think of a few others, but... Andy Townsend, I mean, he was brilliant for you and us. So I think that's the obviously Peter Osgood as well. But Andy Townsend was the one who I think was brilliant for us. And you, I think you guys would be pretty happy with him, wouldn't you? He was decent. Well, we, we, yeah. I do you know what Rob? I mean, I, I we, we, funny enough, we've been doing this whole kind of fifty years of Chelsea series, and we, we not not long ago we did the uh, you know late eighties, early nineties, and it was very interesting when we were talking about Andy Townsend because I because because we then have to go and watch the entire season on the review videos that you yeah. can find. And I forgot actually what a good player he was for us, and and be, and the reason for that, Rob, is his time at Chelsea was massively tainted by his departure, where he was. I mean, he was the club captain at the time, and he decided yeah. he wanted to go to Aston Villa to yes. go and win silverware. Yeah, and of yeah. course, we ended up winning about five trophies after he left, and I don't think they won many. Maybe they won no. one. So you know, it's a bit tainted by that, really. But he was a good player, wasn't he, J.K.? He's not announced that. He shouldn't have announced that. He should just have gone and been picked up the fact that we were we were diminished by his departure was not the thing to do and to be fair to to robert fleck he actually started off playing very well but um he did, he, didn't he forgot he that did, yeah, yeah yeah but then he uh he just got out of the pecking order and i think then then he was the whole um uh hoddle and um uh, the hullet thing then took over and there was no chance of him ever getting into yeah. the side a lot, so. a lot of them fell by the wayside when that they happened did. like they um did. um Paul, Johnny Spencer. Paul Furlong. Oh, yeah, Paul Furlong. Another one. Bring, yeah. yeah, so there we go. Anyway, let's get right back to the present because we've got you on Saturday. You're coming to Stamford yeah. Bridge. Um, you know, how... how I mean, I haven't, I haven't watched a lot of Norwich this year, I have to, have to say, but how are they going to approach it? Are they going to park the bus or are they going to try and play football? Well, we always try and play football, yeah. so we'll definitely we'll definitely do that. I mean, there there is... We, we don't ever really park the bus, but what Fark has done recently is he's changed things to a back five, so we play three centre-halves, um, usually Ben Gibson, Grant Hanley and o- Ozan Kabak, who has actually started well for Norwich. You, you might remember he played for Liverpool right at the end of last season, sort of 10 games. And now Norwich have got him. So, you know, we've, we've done some of the Liverpool fans thought they might sign him. So, again, that, that's a good player we've got there. And he's done all right, actually. He looks pretty good. He's a pretty solid centre-half. 
you know, Grant Hanley's another one that lots of Norwich fans love, you know, um, and he's a bit of a leader. So they play those back three. You get Aaron's and your new list, all Williams kind of bombing up and down the wings as well. So that that has kind of made Norwich a little bit more solid, hence the two recent nil-nil draws. But they are quite toothless going forward. Um, and that's the worry. You know, obviously Timu Puki, brilliant player for Norwich, has scored lots of goals. You know, he's an icon for Iceland, uh, sorry, Finland. Was upset in there by calling him Icelandic. He's Finnish, of course, um, and he just became their record goal scorer, overtaking Yari Lippmann. And so he's he's got something to celebrate. But you know he's he's there and he's always willing and he makes good runs. He runs the channels. But the, the, what's happening is that there's just not enough kind of attacking prowess in the midfield. And let's go back to Billy Gilmore. That's what he's got. He can do that. He can he can have that little pass. He can swing one out wide or whatever. Um, and Norwich have just struggled to kind of get a formula going forward. Um, but the, the rot has been stopped. So in terms of Saturday's game, I mean, we're all we're all getting excited. I wrote some some scripts today at, at the BBC, sort of saying, "Oh, Timu Werner's out, and uh, obviously, um, you know, Lukaku's out." And but then you think, well, you know, Hudson Odoi's coming in, and he's an England international, and I, and I think. You know, you guys are excited to to see players like that get a chance, aren't you? Yeah, well, we were talking about it in part one, actually, that, you know, it's it's awful that, that Lukaku and Werner both got injured because what we were hoping was to, to really see them try and gel because the problem that we've had, I mean, you know, it sounds churlish to say it, we're sitting at the top of the league and uh, we, we hardly ever lose and, and yet there's been a few grumps about the fact that it just isn't working up front and you can see it with your own eyes. So it's a shame that we won't see that, but then... You know they're not been they've not been scoring much anyway. So actually, having Hudson Odoi come in and play on his best position on the left, which is what we've all been crying out for, seeing Kai Havertz in in the middle in, as a kind of a number nine, which is his best position, and hopefully Mount playing himself back into some form is kind of what we wanted to see. So yeah, it's a bit serendipitous, really. I think. Yeah. What, what was the stat that Odoi had? Uh, Apparently, according to Adam uh, Newson, uh, Hudson Odoi has uh, made six assists to Kai Havertz goals. And yet they've only played together in six matches. So, you know, there's a nice little partnership there that's evolving, we hope. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, that's that's our that's our crumb of comfort there that, that Lukaku and, and Werner aren't there. But, um, you know, Werner's obviously, you know, hit and miss, isn't he? So we know that. We know how great Lukaku is. Um, you know, he's, he's one of the best in the world. But, you know, so Norwich fans have got that little bit of crumb of comfort. But I think, I don't, to answer your original question... We don't. We won't park the bus. We'll try and play. We like to play it out from the back, as all as all Premier League teams do now. So you know, Tim Krul sometimes gets into a little bit of muddles and starts kicking them up, kicking them up in the air and what have you. So it can be quite comical sometimes because Norwich aren't always good enough to do that, and that's a bit of a worry for some fans. But I think you know, I I don't I don't fancy Norwich. Obviously, I never fancy when we come to Stamford Bridge. I always enjoy my day there because it's a brilliant place to watch football. So we'll be coming with um, not much hope, not much expectation, but. A draw would be like a World Cup win to us, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, I think it's interesting that you're playing five at the back because effectively that. I mean, how many do you have in midfield? Do you play two, uh, two with the with the, the the kind of the two wide? Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's your so, match up with us then. Exactly, and then and then sort of Pookie's on his own, but he has kind of Josh Sargent, who is famous now for his terrible miss. I don't know if you saw it last week against Brighton. Literally missed an open goal. Um, so he he's kind of out there. He's an American international. He he's quite good. You might be quite impressed with him because he doesn't ever look like scoring, but he's one of the most willing kind of workers. He runs. He, he never gives up. He's absolutely blowing after about twenty minutes because he works so hard. Um, so you know he he catches the eyes. Another one we got from Werder Bremen, and he's he's brought a bit of kind of buzz from America because whenever there's an American international in the 
um, Premier League, they get excited. Yeah, so, yeah, we like Josh Sargent, but he's, he's absolutely missed the sitter last week, so he needs to put that right. Brilliant. Okay, are you gonna, I'm going to ask you for a score prediction, Rob, which is okay. a horrible I've, thing to do. I know. Um, well, look, I will... I mean, I've thought of another player who played for both, um, David Rowcastle. David Rowcastle. Yes, we had him on loan, yeah, 11 matches yeah. on loan. And you had, obviously, you know, what a player he was. Yeah. I know he came from Arsenal, but, you know, eventually from Arsenal, but what a player. So there's another one. But yeah, um, prediction. Um, well, let's be honest. I'll have, to, I'll have to do it in my head, won't you? I'll, I'll say Chelsea 3-1. Mm, okay. So, but we'll take a nil-nil draw now, please. Well, <laughs> there you go. Rob, um, I, I, I can't in all good conscience wish you luck for Saturday but no, I, I do wish I do wish you luck for the rest of the season I mean Norwich are a great club actually so uh, well look I, I feel the same about Chelsea my uncle Jeff hello if he's listening he's a big Chelsea fan so um, I've got a lot of a soft spot for Chelsea I love coming there it's a brilliant football stadium proper football stadium yeah. and I, I always enjoy it and it's it's a great day out for Norwich fans they love coming um, and uh, we'll be there in numbers hopefully Lovely stuff. well enjoy the day on Saturday and uh, whatever the result may be and, and Rob thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute delight listening to you talk about Norwich and we, we, we're all uh, enriched by that experience because you know this is what I love about the opposition view JK we get to learn a lot more about you know there's yeah. no better people to learn about a club than the people actually who love it and support it I think so there we go brilliant stuff Rob really appreciate it there we go so we will be back in a minute and we'll be doing our own uh, preview of the Chelsea Norwich match so don't go away we'll see you in a sec Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. This is uh, Stanford Chidge, of course, on the Chelsea Fancast Thursday night preview show. Just doesn't really sound right. It should be Friday. Always like the Friday night rock show with Tommy Vance, you know. For those, uh, that's one for the teenagers, JK, isn't it? And we've got JK on the show, of course. I, I worked with Tommy Vance. On Did you really? Actually, yeah. Did you? Very really? nice, very nice, friendly guy. Was he? I used to listen to his show when I was a mere slip of a lad. And uh, Pete Drummond, do you remember Pete oh, Drummond? Oh God, I do actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I knew blimey. him. Here yeah. we go. So we've got JK and uh, Chidge reminiscing about the good old days. We'll be donning white sorry, gloves. Dean. Sorry, Dean. Sorry, yeah, sorry. We'll be donning white gloves and going all Leonard Sachs if we're not careful. There's another <laughs> one for the teenagers. And talking of teenagers, well, he's not really a teenager, but I suppose in relative terms, the lovely Dean Mears, the youth, the talented youth of the Chelsea fan cast, the future of the Chelsea fan cast, in fact. Good evening. I've got absolutely no idea who you're talking about. No. Nope. great. No, nope, I, I knew you wouldn't, but, you know, we just do anyway, Dean. Uh, right, uh, we just had the lovely uh, Rob Butler from the Scrimmage podcast on telling us all about Norwich. It's our turn now. And, uh, you know, Rob nailed it, didn't he? Because, I mean, the, the big news story is, well, you see, here's the thing. Having talked to Adam and you two before in part one, I don't actually think it is much of a news story. But I suppose for many people, it will be a news story about with no, no Lukaku and Werner. Oh, oh. Who's Tommy Tuchel going to pick? Well, I mean, if he doesn't pick Hudson Odoi, Havertz, and Mount, then he needs shooting. Frankly, J.K. Um, it's um, there isn't there isn't much other choice, is there? Well, Pulisic's quite. injured. Zayek's got a headache, and um, uh, he might get on. You know, I presume he'll be in the squad. Um, I'm I'm actually quite pleased 
to be telling tell you the truth because I don't think either Lukaku or Werner are playing very well. So, mm. and and I think Havertz played better and better as the season went on last season and was um, indeed the the apogee of that was he scored the uh, scored the goal in the European Cup final. So um, I'm I'm pleased for him if he if he can use it as an opportunity to uh, to express himself. And as as we were talking about, as Adam said, what happens if he and Adoy play fantastically. Do Lukaku and uh, Werner get back in again? You could loan you them know. out to Norwich, couldn't we, I suppose? It'd be perfect. Not, not tomorrow or, or Saturday, obviously. You know, when they're back in the championship. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Dino, I've got something's occurred to me, actually, because, you know, I think we, we don't really talk. Well, we kind of talk about this, but in a very indirect way. One of the things I think we struggle with for anyways big difference sorry sorry sorry, sorry 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 excuse me honestly sorry we just had the bbc on i mean for god i know sake. I, 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 all i did was just pick my phone up and it's an old video on it sorry yes. absolute shower shower i'm a stinker sorry sorry Yes, Dino. Dino, Dino, Dino. Yeah, one of the things we, we, we kind of only talk about indirectly, but I think has been going on for a long, 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 long time now. So before Tuchel, Frank, Sarri even, and, and maybe even Conte to a degree. But for a long time, I think Chelsea have struggled to break teams down. I mean, this is this is a perennial issue that we've had. Um, and that's been an evidence, I think, you know, for this season as well. I mean, when we play, play teams that actually want to try and play football and attack and leave spaces, it's a lot easier for us. Southampton rings a bell to a degree. Um, and I just wonder, <clears throat> excuse me, I just wonder if having Havertz playing actually might fall into our hands, not because, you know, Lukaku and Werner haven't necessarily been scoring much, but He's a very different kind of number nine because he moves a lot all over the place. He'll, he'll, he'll go deep to pick the ball up. He's a lot harder to mark out of the game, basically, which is what teams who basically part the bus will do. They'll, As we've seen with Lukaku, they'll put two defenders on him, make it really, really hard for him. They'll deny our players the space. So I'm wondering if actually having Havertz play there might play into our hands against teams who might not attack us. Yeah, like Rob said, they're playing with you know, three centre-backs and when you've got someone like Lukaku and they're just booting the ball to him, they'll yeah. take that all long because they know that the numbers will do the defensive work for them. Like I said with Havertz, if you go deep, you know, if you've got runners like Hudson-Odoi and Mount in behind, you know, which one do you pick up? Who do you go for? You know, they need to be very organised, you know, for the whole game and they haven't been organised all season. So I think it will play into our hands and I think we've played better with with Havertz at the end of last season and we have played at all this season. Probably Arsenal aside was the only game I think we played very well. Uh, we showed great intensity against Malmo in the first sort of 25 minutes that I hadn't seen for a while from us. And I think if we replicate that intensity and we press very high, you know, we had you know, Jorginho winning balls in the opposition box. That's how high we were. Um, I think we'll just be all over them and we can kill them pretty quickly. But I think... The, the main thing is we need to play with the intensity and speed and, you know, not let Norwich sort of get into the game at all. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting, actually, because, uh, I mean, we, we didn't overlook it in part one, but we, we kind of just picked out a few of the salient points from the evening. But actually, JK, I agree with Dino. Uh, one thing I was very impressed with when I said good performance in part one, that's kind of what I meant, really, because they were really at it. The intensity was very high. And actually, one of the interesting things you know, that that I've been reading, I can't for the life of me remember where now, but somebody wrote a very interesting piece on 
the difference between having Lukaku in the side this season and not last season is that we don't press very effectively from the front because he doesn't really do that. And that was an absolutely integral and fundamental part of Tuchel's uh, you know, tenure, wasn't it, at the end of the season when, when he came in in January. We pressed from the front. Well, we haven't been playing anywhere near the same standard as last year under Tuchel, any of his 36 games in this season. And I've said it before, I said it on the fancast before, I think it's because of having Lukaku as the, as the focal point. We've had to change our game. And uh, not for the best. And as you said, Dean, the uh, you'd be playing into their hands if you were going to play play lots of of long balls with the three centre halves. So they've got to find a way around it. Um, but it'd be interesting to see if he. I think Rhys James might be involved tomorrow. Because having said that, though, he didn't play very well when he came on. He's he's uh, he seems to have slightly lost his confidence. He's playing the ball back a lot, which uh, wasn't the case. He was taking people on before. Um, so perhaps that uh, that won't be happening. But I'm talking about Rhys James at his best, which yeah, once again yeah. was was towards the end of the season. You know, when he played yeah, in the yeah, Champions yeah. League, where he was wonderful. I know mean, I, 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 I wasn't sorry. sorry I just want to butt in a bit because I, I know yeah. I wasn't there, but I I, I I I thought he played some really good passes up front. He was linking really well with Kante and Mount. I thought on the right towards the end. I just felt there were occasions when it's the soft option is taken where. You, you play the ball inside. It's like taking the chance. I think he said yeah. it before. They're not taking the same chances. I think the dilemma is, is they take the chance and they give the ball away. As I mean, Kovacic didn't figure at all last night and was almost uh, uh, the consequence of his completely lacklustre showing against Brentford, where he was still great at taking the ball out from defence, which is from the midfield, which he's great at. He's terrific at. But it's the final ball. And I think the final ball is the problem... Uh, most of them have been having, um, which, which we got better and better at as the season went on, and which once again culminated in the the magnificence of the uh, of the Champions League final. But um, there, are, as we've talked about before, I think there are lots of mitigating circumstances about them not playing as well. I think it's been they've won the Champions League. It's difficult stirring yourself up after that. It's psychologically you've got to start again. You've got to, uh, which you hope you'll be able to do in training. But I'm not seeing the same. Um, uh, um, intensity, eagerness. intensity, yeah. indeed. But I think what happened last year was that they noticed that by playing the way they were playing, they prevented the opposition from from uh, doing anything at all, and uh, and consequently they were they were snuffing out great sides supposedly by just playing this this really um, excellent tactic, and. Um, this season, I haven't seen it at all. And part of it is because of uh, of having Lukaku um, not that kind of player and having to change their, their way of playing. If you can somehow integrate Lukaku in that pressing game, then, um, uh, I, as, you, as you say, I don't know how, he, Dean, I don't know how you do it. I mean, he's, he's a... He's a static figure, isn't he? But he he would have you say that he'd like to be considered more as a winger, and he, and he's got some skill. He does the odd step over, and he's he's a and he he's he's improved his 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 um, outer game rather than just hanging about the penalty area and scoring, which he's always been good at. But I've I've yet to see that the nimble quality or just the energetic intensity that um, Havertz has had, or they've had all by rote because that's what they walk they work out all the time which is and that it was that that was that gave them european success it didn't have to say didn't give them great league success last season and i suppose that's why he's been going forward with lukaku trying to make it work but you know to to have to have um rob say he's one of the great 
centre forwards in in the world at the moment. Well, I, I would slightly disagree with that. Well, he's, well he, he is, he, but he's not showing. He is, but he's not. Well, he did with Milan and he's improved, but he wasn't when he was with United. He was having the same problems. And you wonder whether it's the Premier League as well, preventing, they're so good at preventing players from playing who aren't as sprightly necessarily as uh, as Havertz is because Havertz is nimble enough and skillful enough to get into those situations where he looks as if he's going to score you know well, then we have the problem of they Chelsea seem to lose that inability to shoot and pass the ball to each other in circumstances where they should in fact be yeah. shooting well it is that but I do think I, I think this is why you know it, it's very interesting isn't it Dean I mean I'm, I'm a huge lover of you know great old-fashioned proper number nines and that's what Lukaku is for me um, and yet, if you look around the Premier League, there aren't that many like that. I mean, we always used to say it's because there aren't many that are that good, which is true to a degree. But if you look at the, tra- I mean, look at Liverpool. Liverpool don't play with a number nine. You know, they have a very fluid front three, all of whom are quite small. I mean, Firmino's not small, but you know, he's not a great big uh, dominant forward like like you know Lukaku. And they just they just change and they go deep and they pull players out of position. And I think the reason for that and the reason why the trend's gone that way is is what J.K. said, is that defences have got far more organised, far more on it. It's much harder to break these defences down. Even the shit teams know how to defend, don't they? Yeah, well, that's what they always say. Anyone can coach a team to defend. It's that's what they used to say to Mourinho, that. wasn't it? It was a bit yeah. of a dig, wasn't it? It was, yeah. <laughs> um, I just think we're not we're not trying to do anything different than we were doing last year. And you've got someone up front that's not doing the things that you need that forward to do, um, which isn't a dig at Lukaku. That's you know he, who he is. And all summer we were saying we need a centre forward, and then we've got one, and it's almost like we don't know what to do with it. Now we've now we've got one, and I think that's why Werner's very important to him because he can do the running that perhaps he doesn't. Um, it's for me about getting players in and around Lukaku, so when he's got the ball to his feet, he can lay off and they can play quick football. And I think the issue probably comes back to the to the midfield two and probably going with a midfield three instead and changing things completely. But I don't think we have the the players this season to do that. Maybe they'll change that in January or the summer. But until then, he's, he's got to do something to make it work because obviously 100 million is a lot of money and the club aren't going to settle for, for not succeeding, especially after winning the Champions League. They're going to want more. And it is, he's Tuchel's biggest problem and it's probably a good problem to have is just figuring out how to get that attack clicking. Because I've, I've seen signs of it in some games. Um, it just need to be consistent. And I, I think actually the break for Lukaku and, and Werner as well is actually going to be a good thing for us. Okay, why, why, why is that? Just because there's a narrative starting already for Lukaku that he's not yeah. scored in how many games. I think it's four or five. People, we're talking about the attack that's not working you won't do that for the next three or four weeks because he's not playing. Mm. So he'll either be hungry for him to come back because uh, Havertz has not worked or we'll be sort of happy that now there's another option as well as Havertz who's also working very well and we'll be talking about an attack that can go and win the league. I agree with you. That's a really good point. And I, I mean, and I also agree with you. I think that actually the, the biggest issue is the midfield and I've been bitching about this for weeks now is that we don't have... You know, we well, I, I said last week, I think, is that we, you know, we have too many defensive oriented midfielders, which is a legacy of of the systems and the way we've want, we wanted to play since Conte, certainly, and all this possession based football. But what we don't have are proper 
linking players, box-to-box players, or create... We don't have a Fabregas, for example. We don't have a Frank Lampard, for example. We don't have players that can can get forward, carry the ball forward, and then put people through with a great final ball. And I think Ruben Loftus-Cheek might be the answer to that. I still think Mount might have a, a, a point to play. But it's really interesting, isn't it, if you go back to the Malmo game, and we all, I mean, you know, my prediction on last uh, Monday was Malmo are shit. And I was not wrong. Malmo are shit. So why were we playing? I mean, OK, I know this is about churlish after the event because we won 4-0 and they both played very well. But why were you playing Jorginho and Kante together against a team that was shit? Why? In fact, we, we, we thought that uh, Cheek should play, didn't we? Actually. Yeah. He should be playing after because he played so well against Brentford. I mean, they had they didn't have one shot on target, J.K. I know, I know, I know. I know. So they, they weren't were, going to be a threat. They, they were dreadful. They were absolutely dreadful. Yeah. yeah. So why do you need two defensive midfielders? I mean, I know Kante. You can't just label Kante solely a defensive midfielder, and he was actually, I thought, very offensive against Malmo. He was getting into the box. He was he was actually linking play really well. He was doing little little, little quite quick short passes around the. The box. So you can't say he's just a defensive midfielder. I know that, but it just uh, you know. Jorginho definitely is. Jorginho yeah, well, he, is. Yeah, he threads it together. I, I like Jorginho. I think he does does what he does very very well. Although I will say, I thought he had a brilliant game, which is no surprise because he always does against shit teams. You don't put somebody on him. Yeah, yeah. You know when you when he plays the really 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 top teams, who will put somebody on him and figure it out. I mean a bit like they figure out Lukaku because they stop the ball being played from the midfield to Lukaku when he's got his back to goal. They just cut it off. That's what good teams will do. Organised teams will do. They will figure this out. And they did that. And big good teams will do that against Jorginho, which means we always have to adapt. But against, you know, I think, you know, I would always pick, I mean, I would pick Jorginho tomorrow. Uh, sorry, Saturday. I'd pick Jorginho all day long against shit teams because he'll come on, he'll, he'll play, he'll control the game, he'll have all of the ball and he'll be setting people up for fun because they won't be able to live with him. And he'll score the penalties. And he'll score the penalties, bless his, I know, very good penalties too. So I don't have anything against him, but I just think that we have to work out how to make him as effective against the better teams who will try and stop him and see him as the threat that he is. And we were, we were after the 56th minute, we were four up, weren't we? And yeah. you'd have thought that then we'd have, well, with the substitutions, he was hoping we'd press on. And in fact, the fizz was just taken out of it as a consequence. I mean, Saul came on and was disappointing again. And uh, I'm just I'm I'm worried about him as a purchase. I think he he's a, he was a much more creative player at Atletico um, several seasons ago, and he may have been supposedly bought as a uh, another attacking midfielder, but it's not happening. He gave the ball away again on the couple panic, of but panic loan wasn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah I think you're Chelsea right. Chelsea have always got one in the locker, haven't they? Well, it ought not to have been a panic loan because of the no. Shouldn't the, have, shouldn't have let Gilmore go. Well, indeed, indeed. Looking back on it, to to have to have somebody as off the pace as Saul is, while Gilmore is uh, is off at Norwich and not getting a game, yeah. is absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? But I mean, I mean, good God, J.K. On, on Monday, Dino, I was saying, tell me, you know, what uh, what uh, Gilmore and uh, Conor Gallagher can't do that that Kovacic can. I was saying that, you know, really. They should be in for him, let alone Saul. So I kind of take JK's point. Um, right, so midfield. Chilwell, Jorginho, Kante, Aspilicueta is what I think he'll pick, even though I'd like to see James at right wing-back, Dean. But I, I, I can just see him picking Jorginho and Kante again. Yeah, I think that'll be the, the pairing in the middle. I think, actually, 
Silver or Christensen will drop out of your team and, and James will be there and Asby will be at the back. Um, I think there's going to be licence to get forward and for all of Asby's qualities, you know, getting the ball into dangerous areas in the box isn't perhaps his strongest, although he has assisted a few in over the years, but you know, Reese is a bit more dangerous in those areas. So I think that will happen. Mm. Will Silver play? Be... Will Silver play, do you D- think? Dean thinks no. You think not? So okay. Christensen will move into the centre, Rudiger will be left and Aspie will be uh, right. And James on the right as the right wing back, which I would be very happy with, actually. We should mention, by the way, JK, how absolutely brilliant Thiago Silva was again. Oh, against God, I mean, magnificent. He's just brilliant. What a player he is. I agree completely. Fantastic. He's a fantastic player. Um, he's... He's, he's just so cool. He's, he's completely world-class. Still, 37. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. I mean, I have to say, once again, we were playing a very, very poor side. But, uh, I, ho- I hope uh, I'm still world-class when I'm 37. That'd be brilliant. Yeah. yeah. How long have you got till that? Then? Not, not long, JK. Not long. Is that, were we dividing by two? We, we kind of weren't really, maybe by, by 0.75. Oh, is that it? Okay, right. Not quite one. Or two, okay. even. Anyway, uh, yeah, Silver was brilliant. But I think you're right, Dino. I think he might... I, I mean, I would too, actually, because we've got some really good centre-backs. You've got Rudiger, Christensen, Chaloba. Even Saar played really well, I thought, last week. So, you know, if... I mean, Silver is so good. You want him always playing against the really, really tough teams. You know, you want him... You know, you want, want your you know your best players always fit and available for them. So... I, I, I would have no problem with uh, Tuchel wrapping him in cotton wool. And you think that's what he might do? Yeah, I think so. Or even Christensen will drop out. He's played the last few games just because I don't think they really needed both of them for this game. Um, Norwich will just leave you know, the one striker up front and that's it. And I think we've got more than enough quality there to, to marshal that and to give players a rest, especially at Silver's age, to keep them fresh, like you said, for perhaps a bigger game. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, the one thing that we can absolutely say is that, as ever, it's a game that we need to win. Uh, but I also think we need to score a few goals, and and I don't just mean that because it's nice for us to go and see lots of goals. But uh, my suspicion is is that this league is going to be very very tight come the end of the season, and you know I think you need to be scoring a lot of goals because there may be goal difference that comes into this. You know, and when you see City and Liverpool putting five pass teams the shit teams, then you think, well, Chelsea need to be doing the same. We need to be taking care of business against the smaller teams and putting putting a few goals in there because you don't want it to be coming down to goal difference at the end of the season, JK. No, um, I agree. It's going to be very close, I think. Um, uh, I was just noticing you said no bottom place side has beaten a league leader heading into a Premier League match day. I, I remembered in the past us being high-flying and being rolled over by the bottom club. Um, even quite recently, I think um, we we haven't been top of the league though. Um, no, it shouldn't happen. I, 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 I'm, I'm I'm intrigued. I mean, I I keep wondering where Kovacic comes in in this. I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he gave him a run out actually and not played Jorginho, you know, Judge, mm. just because um, um, he he likes uh, he likes um, uh, con- contradicting us really, doesn't he? Does. he, 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 put, he well, he, yeah, he did it last week, didn't he? With Saar, we didn't really call that. Yeah, we didn't call that at all. Yeah, so I, I, but I agree with Dean completely about Silver. I think um, uh, he'll probably play once we say this, but it would make sense to play. Chalabar is just such a good player as well that yeah. uh, you know you could stick him wherever. But um, Rudiger scares everybody, so should play as much as possible. And of course, this may be his last season because of what's he after, according to? 
um, Twitter, who you shouldn't really believe, four hundred thousand a week or something. He's so not after that. That well, that's what it was. That's what people were saying. Well, the, I, it's not, not going to happen, is it? He, but there's no way on God's earth that any club in the world will pay four hundred grand a week to a defender. No, no. Well, I mean, Harlem was asking for two hundred. Well, two hundred a week was he? I yeah. thought he was. So there's just no way. <laughs> But he was four fifty a week. He was. Oh, asked. I don't know. Anyway. Um, anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, really good. And Chilwell has to play, obviously, because he's been playing out of his skin. Um, uh, and um, uh, Marcus came on and um, was okay. And I just actually thought that as a as a demonstration for what they should be doing, the four players that came on didn't really impress, and it all the the energy was taken out of it a bit. I mean, really, we should have won six six or seven nil last yeah, night. Yeah, you know exactly. There is that, but uh, I mean. I, I, look, I, I'm not going to criticise it because I think it was good game management. You know, we have a lot of games to play, and I it's think Tuchel Tuchel is acutely aware of this. And you know, we don't have. I mean, we, we have a big enough squad, I think, but he knows we've got a few injuries. Um, I don't have a problem with good game management. You just see it out. You know, don't you know? Bring on, bring on subs, rest key players. That's 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 how it works, really. Uh, Dino, how do you think it's going to go? What's your prediction? Um, I think we're going to actually struggle, not do very well, uh, but still win the one or two nil. It's not going to be the four or five, perhaps like we should be beating Norwich if we're sort of top of the league and, and serious. But I don't know, something something doesn't seem right to me. Mm. Happy Thursday to you too, Dino. <laughs> yeah. It might be the lack of sleep. I don't know where to go with that, J.K. I'm feeling really depressed. No, now. I agree with him. There isn't. There's no, something not, not you right. too. Et too, Brute. No, no, no. Something not right with it. I agree. I think uh, it's absolutely right. There is something not right. I still think they'll win I four. Think, I think they're both injured. You know, no, I know. I, I once again, I've been talking about that earlier. I didn't think that's important. I don't think that's important. I think if we start going back to the way we played last season, towards the end of the season, by the pressing all the time and playing that game where you just push them out towards the touchline and they've got no ability then to get forward. And then well, at least you you hope that our shooting will have improved. I think we might win three or four nil. Mm. Well, um, I'm not going to be miserable and downhearted. No. Um, I, I think it is quite serendipitous, actually, because... I think Havertz, I've got a lot of faith in Havertz. I think he's a superb player, but I think like Hudson and Doyle, he's got to play in his best position. And I think that both of them will be. Mount's got to come good sooner or later. He's too good not to. Um, I would love to see, actually, in, instead of either Jorginho or Kante, it doesn't really bother me which, I would love to see Ruben Loftus cheek start in a two, even. Um, I'm, although you know, I can't see him starting in a three because that wouldn't make sense. With you know, given that we've got Havertz, you need you need Havertz, Mount, and Hudson Odoi, I think. But I'd be happy to see uh, I'd be happy to see Loftus Cheek partner either Jorginho or Kante because I think he gives us something else in midfield that we don't have. So, but I don't know if that'll happen. But it'd be lovely to see it. But I think we'll be all right. I, I mean, I, it worries me a bit that Norwich are going to play with five at the back because that's going to restrict space even more. And I think if the two of the five are effectively wing-backs, then they'll try and hit us on the break. But the reality is they can't score. They've scored two Premier League goals all season. And they're, and I didn't say this to Rob because I didn't want to break his heart. But they've scored two goals all, all season in the Premier League and they're playing against a team that doesn't let any in. I mean, we've what, let, let what in? Three in this season in the Premier League? And two of those... Two of them were penalties and one was a deflection. You know, we don't we don't concede goals. And we're playing against a team who can't score goals. So one thing I will predict with certainty is that it will be nil to Norwich. 
Um, so you're going for, you're going for nil nil then? No, I'm going to go three nil Chelsea. I think we're going to do okay because I think I think actually you know I think it will help having Hudson Odoi and Havertz and Mount up front, and I think you'll get more intensity with the press. And as Rob said, they're not too clever playing out from the back. So if Hudson Odoi, Mount, and uh, Havertz are pressing them right from the get go up front, they might hassle in into mistakes, and I think that we're good enough to capitalise on that. And uh, I think uh, I think Havertz is run out on. Uh, uh, last night would have done him some good. He scored a goal. You know, I think I th- I'm three th- 0 I'm pretty happy with that. If cheat comes on, he'll score. That's my my. Prediction. All right. Okay. So come on, then put put a, a number on the score line then. Four nil. Four nil. I knew I'd get it out of you. I knew I'd wind you up and get him to predict a four nil. So there you go. Four nil for J.K. Three nil for me and Dino. You said one nil, two nil, one two one. I go with I go with two nil. You're gonna go with two nil. Yeah, I mean that 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 was that's that's you know, that's a good percentage prediction I think, which is probably why you are much higher in the Chelsea Fancast Prem Predictions League than either myself or Jonathan Kidd. It's not, it's not hard to be higher than me. No, I see Jonathan. After last week, you have resumed your rightful position as bottom of the pile. You are this week's Norwich City. I'm not quite bottom of the hole. No, no, no. But the Chelsea Fancast League, you're, yeah. You're, yeah, you're 74th out of 74. Yeah, whereas I'm about 1,527th out of 1,579. Oh, so. dearie me. Yeah, well, I'm not much better, JK. I'm in 70th. I had a, you had a shocking week, minus 46. I had minus 16, which is my worst performance of the season. Uh, actually, Dino's not too clever. He's the, he's the next Chelsea Fancaster up the table but he's in he's in he's still on page two he's uh, you're in 55th position dino but you got uh 17 points right whereas i got minus 16 so i should be very quiet at this stage um last night right though i did say four nil you did didn't you actually and i i what did i say two nil did i yeah um right uh kerry dixon is in 56 paul cannibal is in 60th and pat nevin is in 64th they you know they're not doing too well either but uh, <clears throat> Luke Withers is uh, still the top boy. Uh, well done, Luke. Um, he's got 1,094 points. Uh, now, uh, Mark Worrell is the leading fancaster still. He's in third position with 905 points. But as we, uh, I'm so glad to be doing this <coughs> Excuse me tonight because, of course, we had Tony on the show on Monday and I refused to go and do the Premier League predictions because that, you know, that we still had the Arsenal game, didn't we? And he was dying for me to do it. But I will now do it. Now he's not here, so his head won't get too big. But he is the performer of the week. He got a whopping 265 points. Tony Glover, you legend. Um, he's yeah, 265 points. What I could, he's now in 28th, and he was he was on page two the other week, so he's gone right up the table. But better than that, uh, he I, th- I think he got the top score out of everybody in the whole the whole thing. All fifteen hundred or so participants. And, and he won some money. He won a hundred and thirty-two quid for being the top scorer of the week. That's right, J.K. Yeah. So beers are on you, Tony. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So brilliant. Really well done, Tom. Uh, well done, uh, Tony. You do us proud. Unlike me and J.K., who let the side down week on week on week on week on week. I must spend more time on it, Chidge. I mate. I, do you know what I said to the boys on Discord? Because I always have a bit of a moan up on Discord when I another shocking result comes in for me, as they well know. A lot of swearing happens as well. I actually said in a fit of temper, I said, that's it. I'm just going to roll a fucking dice from now on because I'll have as much chance doing that as bloody picking them with any sort of intelligence. So I might actually do that. I might go and roll a dice. So there you go. 
So you okay, might have a few six six ones happening. Yeah, but let's see. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Or six fives. That's really not going to happen, is it? Really? Yeah. So I'm going to go phone. I'm going to go roll a dice later on tonight and do them like that and see what happens. I might just do that because I'm so I'm not going to win, am I? When I'm in seventy fourth, seventieth bloody place. So let me say I tried doing every every game a draw last week, and I think no, that was not, that was the week before. And uh, these things, you know, they don't really. You know, the odds don't work that way. Right. Well, uh, you know, Pat, Pat Nevin, according to Andy, the hutch, he grasped, grasped Pat up. But apparently Pat, Pat actually predicts 2-1 every week. Every game. Every game. Which is probably why he's not doing very well, is what I would <laughs> suggest. But there you go. Uh, right. You know, maybe Pat's got a theory. He's a very, very clever man. Maybe maybe I just don't see it. Uh, anyway, that's all we've got time for this uh, this week. Uh, this, yeah, it is this week. So we won't be back until next week. Next Monday, of course, when uh, JK and myself uh, will be on the main Chelsea Fancast show with the Housewife's Choice again. Oh, God. Clayton with the bad back. Oh, yeah. But Clayton with back knack. I hope he's fit for selection then for Monday. Um, anyway, I know I've told him that, you know, Volta roller nice. Uh, anyway, so hopefully we'll have Clayton Beerman with us on Monday. And of course, Sam Incasol's in for the whole whole shebang on Monday. Poor which, man. If only he knew. I know, but he likes doing it, I think. He does like doing it, doesn't he? Yeah, he loves it. He loves it. I hope. Three hours. Oof. He always looks quite intimidated, actually. I think it's quite, we're quite a lot to put up with, actually, bless him. You know, but Sam, I love Sam. It'd be great to have him on the show. And, and as I said, rather than just 20 minutes on a Friday show, get him on for the whole thing on a Monday. So do tune into that. Um, Dino, lovely to see you again, mate. It's been far too long, man. Yeah, no, pleasure to be back. I even um, let, went to my King's Meadow record without me tonight just to be on. Oh, blimey. Uh, that, that was naughty of me. That, I was about to ask you, when's the next Went to my King's Meadow coming out? Uh, whenever you publish it. Oh, that is true, but uh, I know you put them on, you put them on Patreon first, which is a very kind thing to do. Uh, yeah, they'll be there tonight, and then whenever you're free, it'll yeah. be there's no game, so it's not um, a time restricted episode. Luckily, okay. Well, I'm 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 off off to London tomorrow afternoon, and not back until some ungodly hour on Saturday. So if I get it tonight, I'll try and put it up tomorrow morning. He's done it again. Yeah. It went off of its own accord. Red card. Red card. <laughs> I didn't do anything. I didn't touch it. It went off. Anyway, so yeah, if you get it to me tonight, I'll put it up tomorrow morning. That's that's the plan, all right? Yeah, it sounds good. All right. Yeah, a pleasure to be back, and hopefully not so long next time. Yeah, yeah, new schedule coming out very soon. Uh, be advised. Uh, and uh, JK, always lovely to see you. Every, every, always lovely to see you. Twice a week. I'm privileged. Privileged, thank I you, am. Thank you. It's great fun to be on. Thank you so much. Good stuff, my friend. Well, look, uh, enjoy Saturday, obviously, and uh, you and I will reconvene with Clayton and Sam uh, next Monday. It's a 12.30 start. It's a 12.30 start. Good. Look forward to it. There you go. Uh, Right. Uh, As for you lot out there, Mixler particularly, well done for popping along. Always lovely to see you in here too. And uh, everybody listening to the podcast, thank you as always. We will see you on Monday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. Up the Chelsea! Chelsea!